0: sort of turn our attention toward what would it mean for God to use us like a series like that to reach uh, people and in the second week of a series about a man named Abram about God giving him a promise to stretch his thinking beyond where he currently is that God wants to use you to see what God could do through you we find uh, our sort of theme verse for this particular message series in Genesis 22 God's talking to Abram in verse 17 and he says I will surely bless you God telling Abram this and I'll make your descendants as numerous as the Here's the key. The stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. Every time you look out into the stars, every time you walk on the seashore, you're going to remember the promise of God that is over your life. And it's not a small promise. It's the promise as big as stars and sand. And your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. We're in that series stretching you and really stretching our whole church to believe what, what, what's next for us. What's next for us as a church What's next for you as a family? What's next for you as a married couple? What's, what's God doing in your life? And this, th- this, this particular promise from God comes long before Abraham's family is multiplied into the nation of Israel. I mean, there's, there's a, he has no children at all. And God says, you're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have descendants like, like, the, like the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky. And Abraham's like, God, I don't even have a baby yet. God sort of giving Abram this mental model that I got to change how you think before I can give you the promise. And really that's what this series is, is stretching you to believe God that he really does have something more for you. And maybe something more for our church. Sand and Stars is for us. It's for it's for you. It's for your family. It's for things that you desire. It's for things that you hope for. Things that are vision in your life. You say, man, I've been dreaming about this. This is what I want more than anything. So last week we kicked off that series talking about the promises of God uh, over your life. Seeing what God could do through you. Today I want to give you two things you got to do that Abraham did to really experience sand and stars in your life. I'm going to give you some practical things today, kind of some handles to put on a message about faith. And I'm going to give you some things you you got to wrap your mind and spirit around and really our whole church has is, is got to, if I stretch you to say this is what God's called us to do, God's calling us to take a building or take land or this is where God's leading us or starting a campus or what, you know, what God would do through you, joining the team, really making a difference together, giving generously and our legacy offering every year to sort of make a difference uh, in the world. you got to do these two things. Here's the first one. Write this down. you got to open your heart to hope. If God is going to use you, if you're going to experience the sand and stars kind of promise that I think God has for you, you're going to have to open your heart to hope. This is so big. It doesn't seem big, but I'm telling you, I meet a ton of people who want sand and stars, but they won't allow their heart to be open. It's it's so huge. that They have desires and, and dreams, and they have vision, but they let life sort of sabotage all that stuff inside of them. And either past experiences or maybe the way you were raised or maybe a relationship that you're currently in, you just think, man, that sounds good for everybody else. That sounds like a great message for the guy I'm sitting next to or, or, or the couple on the other side of the church. And life has a way of kind of stealing our hope from us. And if you're not careful, we'll close ourselves off from hope and close ourselves off from what God has for us. And we'll just start suffering over and over because you, you really never want to experience the pain of loss again. And so you'll say, but bless you. Because you say it, I have ADD too, real bad. But <laughs> because you say that you can't, man, it's never happened before. Or this last time it didn't work out, or I've been praying and it didn't work, then you just sort of close yourself off and you say, man, I don't know if I I just I don't know if I can have hope. Look at me in the eyes. Don't look at your notes. Look at me in the eyes, everybody in this room. You're doing fantastic at what you are. You're look at me, all the moms in the room. Where are the moms? Make noise. Where are the moms? Look at me, moms. Look at Don't look at that husband you're married to. Don't look at those two kids that didn't get a bath today with sucker all over. They're stuck to their face. Look at me. You're doing great as a mom. You are a fantastic mother. You're not a perfect mama. I don't know why I saw men not clapping. I don't know why you would do that and set yourself up for a bad day. But Anyways, you're doing fantastic as a mom. You're not perfect. But you're a dang good mom, if that's all right for me to tell you. You're doing all right. You're doing okay. You're in the right trajectory. You're not perfect, but you're in church today. I know this about you. You already started the week off in the right direction. You're doing the right things. Do not fall trap. Men, you're a good father. You're not the perfect father. You may not be the best, but you're not what it is that you you see in other men or maybe you saw in your father. God's uniquely called you and qualified you and anointed you to do better and more. We're so hard on ourselves. We don't open our hearts to hope that God could use me. Don't fall into the trap that you're not enough. Don't fall into the trap that you're not enough. Because here's a dirty little secret: you're never going to be enough. You're never going to be enough to really earn the promises of God. Some of us think, "Well, I'm not enough. I'm not a good enough father. So how in the world would God be able to use me? I'm not a, I'm not a good enough wife, or I'm not good enough as a mom, or I see everybody else on Instagram and they're you know their filtered life, and you judge your script by their highlight reel." You think their life is really like that. Their life is not like that. They don't even own the clothes they put their kids in. They have tags on them. They're in the dressing room, everybody. They didn't buy those clothes. They just just want you to think they did. That's not their real life. Their real life is just as messy as yours. And you start thinking, I'm not good enough to be that. There's no way I'm good enough for God to use me. But I want you to open your heart to hope today. That God really does have a plan for you. That God really can do something in your life. I want you to see something that isn't there. I want you to see what you don't yet see yet. Romans 4 and 18 says it like this in the New Living Translation. Even when there was, look at this, underline this in your Bible. This stood out to me so much studying from this message for you. Even when there was no reason for hope. There was every reason not to believe the promises of God. There was no reason for hope and yet Abraham kept hoping believing that He would be the one who would become the Father of many nations. Even though there was no reason for hope. Let me tell you something. Don't let your intellect get in the way of a miracle. Don't let what you know Don't let the things you know That you that you think I've already decided Don't let that get in the way Of the promises God has for you Don't let that get in the way Of the sand and the stars And God's plan for you The Bible says that His ways are higher than our ways Come on everybody His thoughts are higher than our thoughts He doesn't think like me He doesn't act They're greater than I am The God that I'm preaching to you about today Is more resourced than you are You say I don't have enough money We don't have enough education There's just not It doesn't matter That You're dependent On you, I'm depending on God. I'm gonna look to God even when there's no reason to hope. I'm gonna go to God and open my heart to hope. Last week we talked about acting. Your stage, not your age, what it means to really step on the stage and say, I'm not there yet, but I'm going to act that way. Meghan Markle, she had to learn how to act like a princess before she became one. And you're going to learn how to act like the miracle that you're in before you become one. Act like the business owner God's called you to be. Act like the better father. Act like the better mom. A- act like the husband, the spouse that God's called you to be. You got to act your stage, even when you don't feel, even when there's no reason to hope. Even when history tells you there's no reason. There's this sense in you that you feel like you got to stop thinking like you're a failure and start realizing you're in process. Let me tell you that again. you got to change your thinking from thinking like you're a failure to thinking like you're in process. I may not have it yet. I may not be there yet, but it doesn't mean God isn't working. I, I, I may not have achieved everything God promised me yet. I may not have realized or seen everything. Every reason may be not to hope. But I'm going to believe that God can. There's no reason to hope. And Abraham said, that's where God does His best work. Look at me. When you have no reason to hope and believe anymore, that's when God shows up. When you you decide you're at the end of where you are, that's when God does His best work. you got to open your heart today. I want you to open your heart to hope that, that God really can do something to you. That God can really use you to change the world. That God really does have a purpose for your life, a plan for your life. You're not here by accident. That you were born on purpose and with a purpose. That God could use you. That God has a sand and stars kind of promise for you. Do you receive that? Shout Amen. amen. You've got to open your heart to hope. Here's the second thing. If you're going to experience what Abraham experienced, not only do you open your heart to hope, but you're going to have to live your life. Now this is strange. Free from strife. And this is sort of a pastoral point, so it, it, let me, if you'll just give me about 10 minutes, let me pastor you through this and help you through this. That there's, there's a connection between your hope and strife that you allow in your life. There's a connection between you closing your heart off because of the strife in your life. And Abraham experienced this. He knew, by the way, the strife in your life, I can't help it. It's a preacher disease where I have to make them rhyme. The, the, Abraham knew I, I, I got something God gave me And I can't let other things get in the way And cloud all of that stuff God gave me And if you're not careful We'll live in a world where we'll, we'll believe God But there's so much bad going on in our life It chokes out what God's promised you you, you'll get out of church on Sunday morning because you're the, you're the spiritual crowd that comes to first service. So by 1045, you've beat everybody else to the restaurant. Come on, somebody. Nothing like Luby's around 11 a.m. Luby's? Anybody? Luby's? There you are, yeah. You, 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 you'll leave and you'll get back in the car. And the moment you get in the car, your kids are still the crazy, wild kids they were when you got here. And you're thinking, I brought you over there to get saved. Why didn't you get saved? what's wrong with you and you're and you still got the same spouse hopefully you still have the same spouse today when you leave and everything you know you go back to the same job tomorrow morning you think man there's all this stuff all this strife just because listen just because there's strife around you does not mean there has to be strife inside of you let me say that again just because there's strife around you does not mean you got to let it get inside of you and choke out the hope that god has for you You got to choose to be in control. You got to keep that stuff out of your soul. You got to keep that stuff out of your spirit. Strife will distract you from the sand and stars God has for you. It's what happened to Abraham. Strife is this trap that we're all susceptible to. It's it's fighting and bickering, and there's all kinds of opportunities to disagree with people. You know what I'm trying to tell you? People are disagreeable. Anybody know a disagreeable person? Let me see your hands. Anybody married to it? Don't you raise your hands. If you didn't raise your hand about knowing a disagreeable person, you're the one that everybody knows. <laughs> you're, you're the one everybody's thinking about. Your boss, your co-worker, employees, your spouse, your friends, your neighbors. Come on, your neighbor's kids. Anybody know where I'm at on that? The temptation is to always come out because there's strife around me with guns blazing. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to get all involved. I'm, i i got to defend myself. And, and, and when you get all that strife... In your marriage, at work, in your you know, in your home, in your neighborhood, you get it 40, 50, 60 hours a week in the office. Then it's hard to come to church. You come to God's house and I'm preaching life over you, and you got strife all around you. And that strife gets inside the temptations to sort of to, to retreat to a place in your mind where you say, I'll believe that when everything gets fixed and everything comes out perfectly in my life. You always want to win the argument. We we are we are living in a culture. I got to be honest with you, that radiates strife and dissension. It literally does. We're school teachers. We're the school. Where are my school teachers that are administrators? Raise your hand for school. All the school. You, you all know. Mandy, you know there is strife. There is. There's just a tension. Uh, Graylin and I talked about this. Graylin was in education for years and years. That there's a tension. Literally, just walking on a school campus. We just we live in a culture of tension and strife. And there's just. Some of you walk into your office, there's, there's always somebody sitting on a powder keg. You know what I mean? Just waiting on somebody or something to say anything about anybody. You don't really care what you're against. You just know I'm mad at something. I'm, I'm going to blow up at something. I don't even know what it is. I don't even know why I'm offended, but I'm confident I'm offended at something that you're going to do today. We live in that kind of world. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Say amen if you understand that. We just live in this this powder keg of that. There's dissension no matter what. Doesn't matter who gets elected. If we wrote in Mickey Mouse in the 2020 election, 2024 election, you wrote in Mickey Mouse. Let me tell you something. Somebody would have something to say about Mickey Mouse. They like Donald Duck better. Can't believe you choose a mouse. Why do you not like ducks? There's just everybody has something that there's strife in our culture. And you get to choose. Listen close. You can either make a point or you can make a difference. But you cannot do both. You can either make a point with your life. Your whole life could be about I'm right in this marriage. He was wrong and I'm right. I, I said yes and I stood here and he did not. You can be right. You can make a point with your whole life. Or you can make a difference with your life. But you cannot do both. We're going to have to decide, I'm going to live a strife-free life. People get so consumed with making their point that they're easily sucked into this strife. And they get consumed with just this, this you know, I'm, this is my thing. I'm placing my, my flag right here. I, I, I talked with a, a couple uh, years ago who, he had been unfaithful in his marriage, absolutely horrible, could be a train wreck, devastation in their marriage, had three beautiful children, a very, very close friend of mine in ministry, and he he fell into sin, it wasn't a mistake, it was a choice, by the way, Uh, you you just never, there is no such thing as falling in love, you just, you choose that stuff, amen, everybody, and he chose this sin, and, and it almost wrecked his family, and, and about a year later, his wife and he were in intensive counseling trying to make this work. And I remember the counselor telling him, he told me later that she looked him in the eyes and said, You could, or she looked the wife in the eyes, I'm sorry, she looked the wife in the eyes who had sort of given into this strife that this was always going to be a part. I forgive you, but I'm going to hold it against you. Which, by the way, isn't forgiveness. I forgive you, but I'm never going to trust you again. That's not forgiveness. That's not, that's not restoration in your marriage. And I'm not telling you that you're, you know your situation is like theirs, but here's the line that she said. You can either be right or you can be happy. And I want you to choose to be happy. And here they are now and years later, some ten years later, God's completely restored their marriage. He's in ministry again. God's, it's, it's a beautiful picture of that, but people get so consumed. I want you to get consumed with making a difference instead of making a point. I, I want you to get consumed with making a difference in this church. That this church is not about strife and who's better than and who's gotten more than. No, no, no. This church is about lost people and people who are far from God. People who need hope and help and healing. I don't care how the other church down the street does it. This church is about people. This church is what we're for and not what we're against. Shout out Amen to that I want your life to be that way There's a story in Abram's life That could have distracted him from sand and stars I don't normally read you this much scripture But I'm going to read you the whole story in the Bible today And give you some ideas About how to live a strife free life So that you can have hope again That God really can do what he promised you That he would do And God really can use you And do something amazing through you And through this church It's found in Genesis 13 Abram and Lot were traveling Lot is Abram's nephew Genesis 13 and 5 starts like this. So, Lot, who was traveling with Abram, his nephew, had also become very wealthy, with flocks of sheep and goats and herds of cattle, many tents. But the land could not support both Abram and Lot, with all their flocks and all their herds living so close together. You ever had somebody move into your house? And after about a week or two, you're thinking, it's about time for you to go, honey. I'll pay your first month rent. Come on, somebody like, let me help you. You know what I mean? Helping you is hurting me. I got got to let you go. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen. Disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. Underline that in your Bible. Not between Abram and Lot, between the herdsmen. Finally, Abram, the uncle, says to Lot, Uh, This ain't going to work. Let's not allow this conflict to come between us or our herdsmen. After all, I like the King James Version of this better. This actually says this, we be brethren. I like how Abram's kind of gangster like that. (laughs) (laughs) We be brethren. That's what he said. We're brothers. Look at me. We're brothers. We're sisters. We're we're not going to allow. As a matter of fact, King James goes further than that, and it says the Canaanites are watching. The people in the land are watching how you respond to one another. And we're relatives. We're not going to let this happen. So the whole countryside is open to you. Abram tells Lot, I'll give you anything you want. Take your choice of any section of the land you want, and we will separate. And if you want the land to the left, I'll take the land on the right. If you prefer the land on the right, I'll go to the left. And Lot took a long look at the fertile plains, the Jordan Valley, in the direction of Zoar. By the way, Zoar is... Uh, the sister city of Sodom and Gomorrah. The whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord on the beautiful land of Egypt. And this is before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley on the left to the east of them. And he went there with his flocks and servants and parted company with his cousin, I'm sorry, with his uncle Abram. And after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, now catch this whole thing, the herdsmen are fighting. There's this huge group, and the herdsmen of Abraham are fighting the herdsmen of Lot. And Abram goes to Lot and says, you're going to have to go somewhere else. Everybody's watching how we handle this. Are we going to let strife get in between us or not? And Lot chooses. And after Lot had gone, the Lord then talks to Abram. Usually when you get by yourself and get out of the strife, that's when God can talk to you the most. And the Lord says to Abram, look as far as you can see in every direction. Now the promise, north, south, east, and west. I am giving all of this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants as a permanent possession. By the way, leave this here. It doesn't matter what the Middle East does or who's in power. That's a permanent possession as long as this earth exists and in the new heaven and new earth that land belongs to the descendants of Abraham forever and ever. That's the promise of God. Shout amen to that. I thought I'd throw that in there. So he said, I-, I want you to know I've still got a plan for you. And I'll give you as many. I'm sorry, keep going. Sorry about that. And I'll give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, there's the promise again. They cannot be counted. So go and walk through the land in every direction, for I am giving it to you. Let me give you two observations here, two observations of living a no strife life. If you're gonna if you're gonna have hope and not have hope choked out of your life, if you're gonna have no strife in your relationship, you're gonna have no strife in your marriage. No, str- you're not gonna let the political climate get inside choke out. You're not gonna let church climate. By the way, churches have cultures and climates. You understand? And people want you to pick well, your thing. in my, in my church, we're reverent, and my preacher wears robes and not t-shirts. I, sh- I should probably wear a robe. It's, pr- it's probably more flattering. Come on, everybody. <laughs> like, uh, we, we don't sing. It's, we don't have all those lights. or We got more lights than y'all got. We got more smoke than y'all got. And we raise our hands this way, and we only raise our hands this way. And we pray standing up, and y'all sit up and stand up. All, we, there's strife in between all that kind of stuff. Let me, let me help you. We will not be the church that's what we're against. We will not. We will not. We will not. You can pick whichever side you want, Lot. God's going to give us everything else. Let me, give you, let me give you two observations. Write this down. The strife was between Abraham and Lot's herdsmen. Not Abraham and Lot. And there's a whole lot of herds in today's world. <laughs> a whole lot of mob thinking and mob mentality. Group thinking. Herdsmen. Men of the herd. Herds hang out everywhere. Everywhere. There's, there's a herd in your office. There's a herd of people just kind of get together. You know what I'm talking about? I, I would advise you not to go in uh, tomorrow and call them all pack animals like they're in a herd. But they're, they're, there's, there's herds in your there's herds in churches. There's herds on Facebook. Come on, everybody. Where they all get together. There's herds in the media. There's herds in political parties. Be careful you don't give in to the pressure of the herd. Abraham and Lot didn't have a problem. But the people that they were hanging around had problems. Their herdsmen had problems. Be careful you don't take up their fight and make it yours. You'll end up taking up a herd's fight and you'll cause marriage problems that you didn't have before because you brought home the herd's marriage problems to your marriage and now suddenly you got marriage problems. You'll you'll take the herds problems at work and you'll bring them into your relationships and now you've got relationship problems. Don't let it distract you from what God's called you to do, from the rest and the peace and the favor that God has over your life. Shout amen to that, everybody. This is not our fight. This is not our fight. This is not our strife. God's called us to something more than that. There are injustices in the world. We ought to confront them. we got to stand up for them. Every generation has them. We did it yesterday at 821. Standing up against slavery and sex slavery. We, we Listen, we ought to be working towards as it is in heaven, so it is on earth. We ought to be working towards that. But listen to me. It doesn't mean you got to boycott every time a company does something you don't like or get on Facebook and tell everybody. They never usually cause any solution. We are not called to live in strife. We are called to tell people there's still hope. God's still got a plan. Everything's going to work out. God's got something bigger for us to be a part of. Shout amen to that everybody. If you're the kind of person that likes a church full of strife, I got a list of churches I'd like you to visit next Sunday. This probably isn't yours. I say that with all the love I can muster up to you. This is the church that's known what we're for. We're going to be for people and for love and for hope and for life and for people getting passionate in a life-giving relationship with Jesus. This is what we are for. We, we got to work to... Don't be... Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs 20 says, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. But I know a bunch of fools who insist on getting on Facebook. That was uh, in the message uh, insist on Facebook quarreling it's, it's a lost virtue everybody of learning how to honor and keep our mouths shut from strife it's a lost virtue to honor people running into a fight and they're not running to help or heal by the way if you talk about more than you do stop talking about it you're hurting those of us who are doing it just start doing something just get involved somewhere. Abraham said, this is foolish. We're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to let these herds. We're family. We're not going to get sucked into their dysfunction and their strife. Anybody know somebody who wants... Dysfunction is a vacuum, by the way. It likes to suck everybody in around it. It just does. you got dysfunctional factions in your family, and when you're the normal one, Uh, I'm using air quotes for everybody on the podcast. When you're the normal one, they want to suck you into all of that, everybody. We're not going to let them come between us. That's what Abraham tells a lot. We will not let what the world says is going on come between you and us. They're not going to tell us how to act, how to think. Strife isn't going to resolve anything at all. And it will choke out the hope that God has in your life. I love what Dr. Martin Luther King said. He said, when given a world stage to say, how do we deal with the injustices of racial uh, 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 politics and prejudice and Jim Crow and the, the, the stain on America's history, honestly, Dr. King did not stand up and say... This is what's wrong with everybody. This is how bad you are. This is what we got to fix. This is what's wrong. I love Dr. Martin Luther King stood up and said these famous four words. I have a dream. You know why? Because if you'll keep dreaming for what God has for you, it'll distract from all the strife around you. You and I have to learn that. We're going to have to learn how to hold on to the dream that God's put in our life, even when there's strife all around you. But when people don't have a dream, they don't have any hope. Dr. King knew if I'm going to give my people hope, i got to give them a dream. He would not fight fire with fire. He famously said, hate cannot drive out hate, only love. And darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light. We are called to be people of light and not darkness. I'm calling this church to dream again. Dream again. Let's don't get bogged down in where we are. Don't get bogged down in what we currently... Don't look around and think, man, I wish the sound was better. So do I. I wish the seats were more comfortable. That ain't never going to happen. I wish I wi- I wish. wish we were in a building. So God's going to give us that. Let's dream together, everybody. I wish we could build campuses all over San... Me too. Let's dream together. I wish we could go into the inner city. I wish we could go to Haven of Hope in San Antonio, the largest homeless shelter in the contiguous United States. I wish we could go feed people in Jesus' name. Sponsor every child who doesn't have a family Build orphanages around the world I wish we could build Bible schools And a prayer center I wish we could do all of that too Let's don't get caught up in what we're not Let's dream again Keep hope God I feel like Dr. King now Y'all know he was a preacher That's why he's so good at it Keep hope alive Keep hope alive Abraham said we're not going to do this Let's don't squander all this blessing. God's got something bigger for us than strife. Here's the second thing. I gotta hurry. I'm almost done. This stupid clock. <laughs> Number two. Herds will cause you to fight over acres when God wants to give you the whole country. Herds will fight, herds will cause you to get distracted by small things, acres. Lot, listen. You guys want a few acres down there by the river? That's fine. If you want to live in a van down by the river, that's your deal. <laughs> Ask somebody. Herds that cause you to fight over acres when God wants to give you the whole country. You'll be so busy fighting as your complaint. You'll be so busy fighting over acres, you'll miss what God wants to give you. You'll focus on small things and it'll cause you to miss the big picture in your life. Some of us have spent 20 years focusing on acres. And God wants to give us the whole country. Some of you spent your entire marriage in focusing on the acres. Your your entire marriage, your entire relationship. You'll focus on the 10% that you disagree on instead of the 90% that you can get together on. You'll focus on my little thing, just little acres, just this one little difference. God wants to give us the whole land. It's interesting that it wasn't until Abram removed the strife that God came back to him and reaffirmed the promise in his life. Remember, he said, I'll give you, you'll have descendants like the dust of the earth. Better translation is sand on the seashore. Sa- same exact promise. God will reaffirm the promise over your life when you decide to live strife free. I'm not gonna let this distract me. I'm not gonna keep fighting over acres when God wants to give us the whole country. Jesus refused to get. Hemmed in and pinned into this tiny acreage John 4 tells a story about a Samaritan woman She was half Jew, half Gentile Racial prejudice was so prominent Serious racial prejudice here Jesus sends all of His disciples away The whole church He sends away Because He knew I can't do what I want to do in her life With all these religious church people around me I can't do the work of the kingdom Because these people can't get past their small acre issue he would not be able to affect eternity in this Samaritan woman's life because the disciples would rather fight over the acres instead of believe God for the whole country of Samaria. Jesus. Jesus, even in the middle of, the, of this strife, is on mission. The disciples were distracted by acres, not Jesus. <laughs> He put all his attention into the one, into the one who's lost. Listen, the herdsmen of Abram and Lot, they're consumed with quarreling over acres. But Abram's like, I will not get sucked into this. And I'm asking this church, as we take a turn towards reaching others this fall, do not get sucked into strife. Don't let hope get sucked out of your life. And don't settle. Don't fight over acres when God wants to give us the whole land. Open your heart to hope. Believe again that God has sand and stars promises for you. Proverbs 4 and 23 says it like this. Guard your heart above all else. Because it determines the course of your life. Let hope rise up in your heart. Take strife away Take strife out of your marriage Out of your relationships Out of your job Just don't get involved in it Out of this church I'm calling this church to a no strife life If God's going to give us what He's promised us We will not be known what we're against We will be known for what we're for We're for people knowing God passionately, intimately, vibrantly in a life-giving relationship where for people finding freedom from their past that anybody is somebody in God's kingdom that your past doesn't define you that you can rewrite His that God, even if you took a detour God can still get you where He wants you to go you can find freedom from your yesterdays and start focusing on your tomorrows You can discover the purpose God has for your life, the big plan that God has for you, the the purpose for you that's bigger than you, stronger than you, greater than you could ever imagine. And if you'll get on mission, you can spend the rest of your life and the best of your life really making a difference. That's God's plan for you. But you got to open your heart to hope. Maybe you've never done that today. Maybe you've never given your life completely to Christ. Maybe you've never let hope first invade your life. Today's the day you need to do that. Maybe it's been a long time since you've hoped that God really could do what He promised that He would do. Why don't you close your Bibles and your notes and bow your heads all over the room and maybe give two minutes to searching your heart. Proverbs says, that's. however the the, the direction of your heart, it determines the course of the rest of your life. Is it open to hope or do you just keep resting on what used to be, what could have been, what I've done, where I've been? Why don't you open your heart to hope again that God has a plan for you, a purpose for you. Don't close your heart off just because it hasn't happened. Doesn't mean it's not God's plan. Maybe you search your heart and go, there's a lot of strife, honestly. I'm distracted over acres. I fight all the time. There's bickering and stuff and problems and family. And We're we're entering the holiday season. Nothing heightens all of that like the holiday season when you realize there's strife in our family. Things aren't as good as they could be with my parents, my grandparents, my brothers, my sisters, my aunts and uncles. If I go back to that reunion this Thanksgiving, this Christmas, i got to face what happened and there's strife around you. Just because it's around you doesn't mean it has to be in you. So in Jesus' name, Father, I pray for people in this room who have closed their hearts off to hope that this would be an open door to hope today. God, that they could believe God for sand and stars over their life. I pray against strife. God, that even though there may be strife on the outside, that it doesn't get on the inside. Even though there may be things on the outside of them, there may be problems at work, problems in their marriage, things that are trying to distract them. God, do not let this church, don't let a single family, a man, a woman, a young person, a young adult, get distracted over acres when you've promised us a whole country. Now, with nobody looking around, nobody moving around, If you say, Pastor, I need that hope to invade my life again, I feel hopeless, honestly. I want that sand and stars like you're preaching about, but I don't feel it. I don't know if it can. I want to receive this promise, but i got to go back into what I think is a strife situation. Our herdsmen are fighting. If that's you and you want to be included in this final prayer, would you just boldly raise your hand and say, That's me. I need hope. There's there's a hand. There you are. I see you. There's hands. I see you. Come on, God, seize your hand. Keep it up. Just a moment. I see you. I see you up top. I see you. Tired of strife. Tired of worry. Tired of fear. I see you. Tired of anxiety. I see you. I see you. You can put your hands down. Now, Jesus, I pray for every person whose hand was raised. Come on, you got to pray this for yourself. I cannot pray this for you, but I can pray it along with you. God, I open my heart to hope today. God, for some of them, maybe for the first time, they'll pray a prayer that sounds like this. Jesus, would you invade my life? I give you my whole heart today. God, I give you everything in me that's broken. I give you all of my broken dreams. I give you all the promises I've broken and have been broken in my life. I give you all the times I've said I would and I didn't. All the times i said I wouldn't and I did. I give you every letdown, every time I've been disappointed. I give you all of the sin, the stuff I chose to do. I give you all of my mistakes. Stuff I didn't even realize I had gone that far. God, I give you my present reality, where I'm living, what I'm currently involved in. God, I give you my whole future. God, I've tried to figure this out on my own and now I'm surrendering all of that to Jesus. And because of the cross, I'm asking you to forgive me. Come on, you got to say it. I'm asking you to cleanse me, wash me, make me new today. God, I, I open my heart. If, if just... If just a a small crack in a window to hope. God, you really do have a plan for me. God, that you really do have work for me to do. God, I pray that prayer over this whole church. God, would you open our eyes and elevate our eyes beyond where we currently are. You've got a plan for this church to prosper it, to give it a bright future. God, you've got a miracle around the corner. I, I declare over this church an open door. An open door. An open door. I declare a door that opens that no man can shut in their life. I declare a door open so wide that it would shock all of the distractors. I declare a door open so wide that every person, every tribe, tongue, race, culture, wherever you come from, whatever your issue is, that you'd be welcome and find hope and healing in this house. God, let this always be a hospital for broken people. Let it always be the place that the hopeless find hope. Let this church always be the place where people can connect with God real and relevant wherever they are. Let it always be a place where their past is not near as important as their future. God, I pray in Jesus' name, a sand and stars prayer over this house. And I give you this church. Come on, tell him I give you my life. In Jesus' name, everybody shout out.